This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 236. Sure, why not? I think that's right. I have no idea anymore because it is day 10 of the countdown to Halloween Potathon supporting new alternatives, which is an organization here in New York City which helps homeless LGBT kids get off the streets, not just for tonight, but for good. And for this episode, we are going to outer space. Well, not really. We're being visited from people from outer space. And I'm being joined by two fantastic guests. I am joined by actress Maya Murphy, brand new guest who you're going to love, and also John from the Beyond the Box Set podcast, which is a fantastic show, which I love. I listen to it every week. Him and his co-host keep me giggling all the time. Even though it's not horror all the time, it's still a great show. And what are we talking about? We are talking about a movie called Teenagers from Outer Space from 1959. I did a screening of this over the summer, and we all giggled because it is chalk full of camp gayness. In fact, I've dubbed it Closeted Homosexuals from Outer Space. And it turns out I'm not entirely wrong. Because when I started to do my homework on this movie, not only is there a gay history behind it, all the camp stuff I'm seeing when I watch it is actually there. There's a tragic gay history and also an unsolved mystery. Yeah. There's a mystery that hasn't been solved for over 60 years. Pretty serious stuff. Almost 60 years, I should say. So, we have business to attend to before we get to the fun. Because, as I said, we're here raising money for new alternatives, which is a small organization here in New York City. Why do you choose the small organizations, Patrick? Well, you know, I'm going to let the kids from New Alternatives explain it to you because I give you a lot of statistics and they're depressing. I'm heaping them on you, trying to guilt stuff out of you. So I'm taking a different approach today because this episode was so much fun to work on and revisit. I haven't listened to it since we recorded it months ago and I had so much fun editing it and I'm in such a good mood that I want to share some good news with you. I want the kids from New Alternatives to tell you how New Alternatives has helped them. So we're going to do that right about now. And we're going to do it with the help of the music of Technotronic, which I have no rights for, but it's included in the video that New Alternatives put out. So I hope they've got the rights for it. But I'm sorry, Allison and Brian, it's not Technotronics. No, it's not a Big Brother joke. It's just regular Technotronic. But I'm, I'm babbling. Let's listen to the video. I'm Baresco Escobar. I'm 19 years old. 
and I'm in the city of dreams. I'm Vanessa Nassard. I live in the Bronx. I'm originally from Puerto Rico. Hi, my name is Ivan. My name is Jonathan. My name is Coco. I go to Cornell University. I'm Kate Barnhart. I'm the executive director of New Alternatives. I got involved in New Alternatives because I wanted to try out a real harm reduction approach to working with LGBT homeless youth. A lot of youth fall through the cracks in the system, either because they're too mentally ill or just too different for a lot of organizations to work with. I've known Kate for a couple of years. Between her and the volunteers here, I got the support that I need and that's why I got the job that I got today. They've actually helped me out, out a lot. Food on Sundays and Tuesdays. Dinner for the kids. Turkey burgers, <laughs> veggie burgers. Oh, potatoes, onions, green beans, carrots. Clothing. Button ups. Um, I'm getting clothing right now. This is a cute skirt, right? It's very pretty. So I'm at the Prescalis Institute for Technology where I'm studying a plus for A plus certification to repair and service computers and to be a help desk technician. I am still homeless as much as I would like to not be. Being raped, I left my mom's home at the age of 17 and being a bisexual young lady, it was hard for me to find different programs. Northern is a program that helped me get jobs get into the shelter I'm in now. They just didn't help me with housing. They also taught me how to be a young lady. In 2009, I graduated from Juilliard. I play 16 instruments, but now I'm homeless. It sucks being homeless. You're tempted to glorify the fact that you're downtrodden. You're expected to behave like a homeless person. When you come here, that doesn't fly. You have to behave like somebody that's gonna be somebody. Northerners has been helping me get documentation that I may need to go back to school. Um, they also help us get grants to pay for school books or scholarships. So a big reason why I am back in school and the reason why I do have information that I need to work on my housing is because of them. This is one of the rare programs that actually do help um, clients the way they need to be helped and not the way they think that we need to be helped based on a statistic. Kate personally has made a tremendous difference in my life and um, I think that without her services a lot of us would be in much more dire circumstances than we are. It's not hard to become a part of New Alternatives. We make it easy for youth to receive services here. You just walk in, you're greeted in a friendly, non-judgmental way. There's not a lot of bureaucracy or paperwork to get through. And you receive your services quickly and consistently. Okay, thank you, Kate. Thank you, everybody from New Alternatives, all the great kids. And I want I just I'm just in such a good mood today. Today's a good day for Patrick, even though I'm still sick. I woke up with this hacking cough, but you know what? That doesn't matter right now. That doesn't matter right now. And listening to the video again, there's a couple of things struck me. When they said they, they teach they taught me how to be a lady. And that other organizations, you're almost expected to behave like a homeless person, but that doesn't fly at New Alternatives. And I got a story about that because, like I said, this year I wanted to get more physically involved. So I've been volunteering at the kitchen on Sundays. And some people might say, why is it pretty much only on Sundays? And there's a very easy reason for that, that most of the other organizations – when they have a kitchen service like this for food service, it's open every day except Sunday because most of those organizations have their kitchen in a church and the church on Sunday wants the church 
for the church so you can go hungry that day. But fortunately, there's no alternative. So the kids can come there and get a nice, fresh, home-cooked meal with good ingredients. And that's great, but that's not the story. The story is this one particular day I was working, it starts off bad, okay? Like I said, they don't tolerate bad behavior there. There is a zero tolerance, especially for violence. And unfortunately, that is how this story starts. I'm on the line and I'm dishing out taco toppings because it's taco night. That's an important part of the story. It's taco night as new alternatives. And I'm dishing out the salsa that I made, that I cut up all the tomatoes and onions for myself. I cut up onions for three hours, but did I cry? No. Not the point right now. No. And this kid was bristling to start something that day, and you could kind of feel it. I'd heard how he was talking to other people on the line, and he apparently was not happy with the amount of salsa that I put on his taco. And he said to me, is that all I'm getting? Okay, I see how it is, white boy. Does this make your soul feel good? Helping the downtrodden kids? Does it help you sleep at night? And I just ignored it. The girl next to me didn't. He started the same thing with her, called her a Puerto Rican bitch. When he didn't get enough, whatever she was dishing out. And really went off on her in violent, racist, and sexist language. And eventually, some of the other kids pulled him away. We think the story's over. I'm still, you know, doing what I'm doing. I turned around to get a to-go box because some of the kids can't stay. Oh, you know, the people that come in at the last minute, they get a to-go box. I turn around to get a to-go box, and all of a sudden, I'm soaking wet because what had happened was this kid had taken one of the pictures of crystal light that we have out for the kids and threw it on the girl standing next to me and started the same thing. You fucking Puerto Rican bitch, you come in here to cleanse your soul. You think you're better than us and I hope you can sleep at night, you fucking dirty Puerto Rican slut bitch. And turned around like to address the crowd like he was on the new house, the Real Housewives of New York City and had just pulled something for the camera. Like he thought he pulled this great diva move and thought he was going to get applause. And the room just booed. And instantly security's on him because there is a zero tolerance policy. He's out of the dinner. And not only that, he's out of the program for good. And people came over and was comforting the girl because we were just wet. And the thing is, it was so fucking hot that day. We were both saying, well, it was actually kind of refreshing in its own kind of weird way. And there's no sugar in that, so we're not sticky. So we're good. We're good. There is a kid there in the program, um, maybe 16. I think he's somewhere on the spectrum, but he's the sweetest, sweetest little thing. And he came up with his big brown eyes. And he says to her, I'm really sorry that he did that to you. He shouldn't have done that to you. That wasn't nice. You shouldn't do that to anybody. Yeah, you shouldn't do that to anybody, but you should really not do it to the volunteers. You guys are just here to help us. And he started to walk away, and then he came back. And this is where it gets good. And he leans into her, and he says, But you are working on taco night. 
and he looked over one shoulder. He looked over the other shoulder, and he leaned in really close and said, It always gets weird on taco night. And walked away. I don't know what that means, but I thought it was the funniest thing anyone could have possibly have said to diffuse this horrible situation, this really unpleasant situation that could have ended badly, but it didn't. The people who do alternatives were on top of it. They don't stand for that. You're going to be here. You have to behave like the person, the person that you can become, not the person that society wants you to be. And also, I have to give a hats off to Kate here, Kate, who who runs New Alternatives, because listening to what she said, I talked yesterday about, or or was it yesterday? The Halloween episode, whenever that came out, I, I think I talked about the bureaucracy of all this. I think I've talked about this a few times now, that when you're dealing with the other systems, it's a maze. They're designed to keep you out. So the fact that at New Alternatives, you could walk in, sign up, and bam, you're getting services is amazing. So thank you, Kate, for thinking outside of the box. That is Scream Queen's behavior. That is thinking, how can I get, how can I save as many, not just me, but as many of my friends as possible and make this horrible situation a little bit easier. So that is what makes New Alternatives different from all of the other larger organizations, and that is why I support them, and that is why I hope you are going to support them as well. And you can do that by going to the very long URL, which I have to say the whole thing every time, because if you don't type in the whole thing, you won't get there. HTTP colon slash slash fundraise dot new alternatives NYC dot org slash SQ. SQ stands for Scream Queens. It will get you to this particular page for this particular event, and you donate, and you know what I'm asking. You're getting 21 shows in 21 days. We're at the halfway mark. It's episode 10. So somewhere in the middle of this episode, we'll be at the halfway mark. Yeah, that's awesome. And for the 21 shows that I'm putting out in 21 days, I am asking you to donate a minimum of $21. That's a dollar a show. I think that's reasonable for this amount of entertainment. And if it's going for a good cause, even better. I'm not asking for it for me. I'm asking if for the kids at New Alternatives. And if you can't donate that much, I get it. Times are tough. Donate what you can, but if you can start your thinking at $21, that will make me so damn happy. And I'm happy today because like I said, we're at the halfway point. But I don't want you to wait till the end. You know, I don't want you to wait. I'm impatient. That's me talking. I want to see results and I want to see them now. I want to see that you guys are responding to all this. And I want to see that your hearts are open to the kids at New Alternatives. Because if you can affect the change, you might be thinking, well, it's in New York City. How does that help me? Because if an organization like this is a success here, then other places in other cities will emulate New Alternatives. And if you help one person anywhere, you're helping everybody just a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. Fundraise? Nope. 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 The whole thing, Patrick. You just said it. HTTP colon slash slash fundraise dot new alternatives NYC dot org slash SQ. And I have got some people to thank today. It has been another good day for donations because, kids, we are over the $1,000 mark. Yes. Yes. Our goal is is 
$2,500. And right now, we are just over $1,000. $1,014 has been raised. So we are about eh, just under halfway. And since we are eh, just under halfway for the Ponathon, I'm happy with that result. And so, the people I have to thank today are, first of all, Toppy Smelly. Toppy Smelly from the Smellcast. Yes, I adore Mr. Smelly. I adore his little show. And thank you so much, Toppy, for the $50 plus donation. Remember, I don't see the exact amount that people donate because things have been taken out. Their fees for the website that hosts this event, which is the website that New Alternatives wants me to use, they've taken the fees out. So he's, he's given over $50. So it's $50, $52.60. So thank you, Toppy. Thank you. Also, we've got something from someone named Anon, a mouse. Now a mouse? Oh, Anonymous. Oh, I see. Love you, Patrick, and thank you for doing this. Anonymous. $131.50. Thank you anonymous woman who I know who you are, but I'm not going to tell them. We're keeping secrets, but it's fun. And you know what? If you're going to donate that much, you can do anything you want. And also, we've got Chris. Chris Schaefer. Chris Schaefer, one of my patrons. He took over an episode a while back and maybe watched that ridiculous movie with the prison and the zombie. Oh my gosh, Chris, Chris, Chris. And it says, hi, it's Chris. I decided I'm worth three people in my awesomeness and my donation should reflect that. He donated $21 times three. Times three. And he's not in America. So, I mean, the, the, the numbers came out different. And we got $66.28 after fees from Chris. Thank you, Chris. And also, we've got yesterday's hosts, Chris and Robert from the Film Flamers, who donated $52.60. Thank you, Patrick, for supporting such a great cause. It's humbling to think that any of us could have been in a similar situation when coming out. And we're happy to help those who need it most. Keep up the good work and fighting the good fight. Chris and Robert from the film Flamers. Thank you, boys. Thank you. Thank you for making this day start in such a fantastic way because this is a really fun show that we've got lined up yeah i'm going off the grid a bit here like i said i don't normally do sci-fi sure i might do it over the summer as a double uh, science fiction double feature sure why not but this film is different the film teenagers from outer space is terrible it's not a good movie but there's a weird earnestness to it that makes it watchable. And also, there's this weird gay camp to the whole thing that you think you're seeing. But it turns out it actually is gay camp in 1959. And the fact that someone in Hollywood who was out and gay was able to make a movie is extraordinary. And the fact that it's still here is extraordinary. And the fact that it ended in tragedy and a mystery that's never been solved, sadly for the time period, is not extraordinary. And 1959, yes, almost 60 years ago, really not that long ago in the scheme of things. And we might be hurtling towards a society like that again more quickly than we would like to think. But we're going to start with the fun, because that's the most important part. 
Okay, someone's running a chainsaw outside. That seems to be a sign to say, Patrick, shut up and start the show. So I'm going to bring on Maya and John, and we are going to talk about teenagers from outer space. But first, let's take a listen to the trailer. Instructions are to prepare for an attack unknown enemy. That's what he meant. There's something behind this, something we don't understand. The weapon he uses, it's unheard of. Blasting flesh right off the bone. Master control to set flight pattern to minus point zero eight. Increase They're coming right at it down inside the cave. So joining me on the next leg of the Countdown to Halloween Marathon are two very, very special guests that I'm very excited to have on the show because on this episode, after eight years, Scream Queens has finally gone intercontinental. Not incontinent, intercontinental. Keep your minds out of the gutter, kids. Come on now. One is the host of the absolutely fabulous, extremely witty Beyond the Box Set podcast, and the other is one of the most fearless and talented actresses I have come across in the New York City area, and she is not going to put up with your malarkey. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am thrilled to introduce to you John Lucas and Maya Hello. Likewise. Hi, everybody. Yes. Welcome to the show. So are you ready for our trip to outer space? Oh, I'm so ready to go to outer space. <laughs> well, before we do, I want to take a moment to make sure that my listeners know who you are. So, John, I'm going to start with you. Why don't you tell the folks about yourself and what goes on over at Beyond the Box Set? Sure. Okay. So my name is John Lucas and I am from Leeds in England, United Kingdom, and I am the co-host of Beyond the Box Set. And every, every week we are a podcast. Every week we watch a standalone film that has never had a sequel, such as Titanic or Gladiator or The Room. And we will, myself and my co-host Harry Chappell, will come up with individual sequel ideas and, uh, We'll pitch them to each other, and then we'll see what comes out of it. And it's usually ridiculous, completely unfilmable, and a lot of fun. I beg to differ. I would say they're brilliant, and they, sh- they should be forcing themselves to film these things. <laughs> it's better than most of the garbage that is coming out. No, I, I got introduced to the show uh, through one of our podcasting groups on on Facebook. Somebody said, where are the LGBT podcasters at? And there we all were. And John's show was one of the ones that when I listened to, I got hooked. Right. Oh, thank you. It's utterly charming. Oh, thank and you very, very much. And very, very funny. And Maya, 
Yes. You should have heard this guy on a recent episode completely geeking out over Death Becomes Her. It was adorable. Oh, <laughs> that sounds great. Instead of describing the plot, he pretty much just did all of the dialogue. <laughs> I was just oh, in a dramatic reinterpretation of the film. <laughs> Which was very funny because just that day I was listening to another podcast, Friday the 13th. Not Friday, Friday. Friday. And they take a detour once a month where they talk about their favorite non-horror films. So they were talking about Clue and their, one of the hosts, Adam Huff, who was also guested on the marathon, just basically did the whole movie. <laughs> I can do most of Clue. I got most of Clue in my back pocket. Uh-huh, as do I, as do I. As, just the Flames on the side of my face. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But if only we were talking about that. Oh, well, Maya Murphy, what's yes. going on with you? Maya, I got to meet in an in a, in a acting class of sorts. And almost immediately, I'm like, this girl. Oh, yeah. This, this guy's weird. I like him. Zing. We're going to be friends. I'm like, uh, her energy <laughs> is fantastic, and she's snarky, but she's not cruel about it, but she's just so damn funny, and let you oh. talk about you. Let's talk about you, Maya. You talk about sure. yourself. You'll do it better oh, than know, me. Um, I just wrapped up a run of Peter Pan with the Brooklyn Theater Club, where I was Captain Hook, but uh, also smashing the patriarchy again with with only one hand because uh-huh. you know because that's what difficult. you do. I love that about you. Difficult. Um, but let's see. Uh, my horror, uh, mostly vampires series, 21st Century Demon Hunter. First four episodes are up on Amazon Prime. The rest of the season is coming out. And I also play, um, actually, one of the good guys. I am Black Canary on the series Nightwing Escalation, if I have any DC fans out there. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Oh, you do? I had good, a, good, a good population of my listening audience just passed out. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, the final season is a doozy. Um, but if you're going to go back in the history of Nightwing Escalation, I recommend starting at season two. Is that when you show up? Um. Perhaps, but also, you know, like, production what? quality and writing reasons, I would start season two. Uh, yeah, start at season two because that's the part with me. That's the part with me. And we go full birds of prey on it. And I would like, you know, for all my DC fans out there, Gail Simone herself said my episode was, and I quote, very impressive. So, you know. All oh, right. Yes. Back. One of my favorite things about Maya, because for those of you who are actors out there, Maya goes out of her way to print absolutely ridiculous casting calls asking absolutely <laughs> absurd things because people don't understand especially women the things that they are forced asked to do for like no money oh man um actually my favorite one wasn't even a, a sexual casting call it's it was for a singer and it said must be able to sing a wide variety of notes and pitches and i was just like oh god wait hold on notes and pitches notes at the same and time? pitches I'm sorry like, nobody I can don't... do that not even barbara streisand can do that okay. right? <laughs> that's, that's above and beyond that might be above my skill level i i went to school for this stuff so like geez oh gosh Gosh, now I've got like death becomes her quotes running through my head, John. It's your fault. <laughs> now wounding? Flaccid. Flaccid. <laughs> we could do this all evening. So. We really could, but unfortunately, we got a job to do because tonight, the movie that we're talking about is a little film from 1959 called Teenagers from Outer Space. And if you spend five minutes with it, you'll kind of realize a better title would be Closeted Homosexuals from Outer Space. <laughs> Even starting with the title, I got really confused because I don't think we ever established that people from outer space are teenagers. Yes, well, that's because that's the two, the title that Warner Brothers put on it. Oh. The original title was The Boy from Outer Space. That makes so you much see, more sense. You, there is a boy. He, he appears male. I'm about that. Yeah, he did appear to be in his mid to late 30s. Yeah. Well, there is that. There is that. What, you got a problem with David Love? 
Okay, no. but maybe they count. No, no, I know, I know. Maybe I know. they're not in base ten on whatever planet they came from, so it's technically still the teens for them. Sure, ex exactly. You're right. You're right. Their their whole time scheme is completely different. They were counting in base seventeen. Then that's it. They're teenagers. <laughs> please, Mister. Please don't play B seventeen. What? I got nothing. Sorry. Now it's Olivia <laughs> Newton John time. Okay. <laughs> so. On Scream Queens, we have a little game when I have guests on, and I'll probably make both of you do it. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what it is just yet. Oh, no. Who wants to go first? You flip a coin. Who wants to go first? Um, I think John just lost it in nose game, but you can't see me, but my finger's on my nose. Oh, damn it. Oh. <laughs> oh, see, she's, she's quick. She's quick, this one. Okay. John. Oh, and hit me. What I need you to do is give me a nice 30-second plot summary, like elevator speech plot summary. Like if we were um, – if, if you met the studio head, you had 30 seconds to talk to him, how would you sell this movie? You've got 30 seconds. Go. Oh, God. Okay, so we open in a indistinguishable town somewhere in America, question mark? And aliens land on the Earth and, and looking suspiciously human and climb out of this kind of intergalactic clown car where they can straight all the It's very, very small. Um, one of them is good. One of them shoots a dog. The other one has an attack of guilt and develops empathy and runs away from the, the others. He is sort of a Luke Skywalker figure because he is, doesn't realize he is the son of the leader of the entire race of... Time is up. Oh, no, I didn't even get started. I know. That's why I said elevator speech. 30 seconds, oh, man. Those, 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 film, those film people don't have time, man. Maya, you want to yeah. give it your best shot? You have 30 seconds. Sell me the basic right. plot of Teenagers from Outer Space starting now. Aliens land on Earth. One of them shoots a dog. The other one feels really bad because the dog is dead. The primary reason they landed on Earth was to turn Earth into a giant farm for some kind of pack animal to eat for their meat that looks to be a crustacean. Uh, the one who developed empathy meets some humans and forms a semi-attachment, but he has to save the world! John, that's how you do it. Well done, <laughs> I am working. Fair play. Oh, oh, John, oh, you, are in, you are in the best of company. Eat the world. I forgot. That's where some of the doom comes from. Eh. Okay. Yeah. yeah very, that was great. That was great. Now, one of the things, like I said to you guys before we started, I did a screening of this for my listeners, some of my Patreon listeners. You know, I do it on Sunday nights once a month. And everybody was laughing because, A, everybody realized that there's something swishy going on. And if you realize that this entire movie is not the love story between Betty and Derek, the alien boy, it's actually about the thwarted love story between Derek and Thor, the other alien. Oh, but you can <laughs> see that on Betty's face. Betty is like, this connection is not happening. And Betty is trying to force that. I, I actually felt bad for Betty at some point because she's that girl. Yeah, absolutely. You are going to be attracted to gay men for the rest of your life. <laughs> Betty seems like a girl who makes bad choices in general. Yes. <laughs> really? Just because she invited some total stranger off the street to, to like take a room in her house without knowing his last name or if he has a job or any references? He doesn't have any money. And she's like, well, he can stay here until he gets some money, huh, Grandpa? And Grandpa's like, yeah, no, I have dementia. That seems like a great idea. <laughs> sure. He really I'm, does. <laughs> Go, John. I really got the feeling that in a few years' time, time, Betty could well end up as a Manson girl or something. 
Yes, 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 yes. And it's it's sad because I've had her on the show. My dear, dear friend, George Ann Strakosh. I did theater with her in high school last century, guys, last millennium. Okay, that's a long ago. This was, and I was the first gay guy she crushed on. We went to the prom together twice. She never figured it out. <laughs> She's like, why, why isn't he attacking me in this limousine? And then it was this long string, like every guy she dated. And after a while, I'm going, George, bring them to me first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I meet them and I'd go, oh no. no. I'm like, and she and Betty's going right down the George Ann Strakosh path. <laughs> I feel like Alice knew what was up, though, at Bessie Strays. Was that her oh, name? Hilda? Was that the blonde one in the pool? Yes. The one who was all, you can tell I'm sexually available because I have a deeper voice and I'm blonde. <laughs> and I keep tossing my head and my mouth keeps opening really wide. <laughs> and I'm also 40 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted her to inexplicably just be played by Joan Crawford. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It would have blown the whole budget of this movie, but that's what I want, because all poor Alice wants to do is swim and fuck, and it really put me in a Joan Crawford kind of mood. Possibly at the same time. Oh, yeah, that seemed like what she was suggesting, yeah. Oh, but that's uh-huh. a terrible idea. You get chlorine everywhere. You're not supposed I know, to do right? that. No, You've it is. the shape of water. It's in vogue these days. <laughs> that was salt water. It's different. Chlorine's different. different. I, I will different. vouch for the fact that pool sex is not as what is not, <laughs> <laughs> is not what it's cracked up to be. <laughs> <laughs> awkward pause moving on and you're right the thing that i think is amazing like right from the beginning when these aliens land they they, they actually did watching it this time i realized oh that's how they covered this up by saying oh it looks like there's a giant drill <laughs> coming at coming because this movie opens when you're at some generic space station where people are doing you know science yeah, and then he's like, I thought I saw something, but I'm so lonely. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they were definitely in a relationship. I know. Feet. Yeah, they were totally in a relationship. They were <laughs> and in a normal a relationship, his needs are not being met. In a normal movie, they would have been the protagonists. You never see these people again. <laughs> no. <laughs> but the guy who spotted the thing has this whole th- this whole ridiculous monologue, which I'll be playing underneath this, you know, because I won't do it as well. He just says, I guess it was nothing. A sudden light reflection, it startled me. There's no doubt a comet or a meteor. No, it seemed to be a, a drill-shaped thing. Revolving. I know, it, it must have been my imagination. But it makes me realize how desperately alone the Earth is. Hanging in space like a speck of food floating in the ocean. Sooner or later to be swallowed up by some creature floating by. Oh, come now. Time will tell, Dr. Mason. You know, sometimes I feel like we on the Earth are just like a speck of food floating in the (laughs) ocean. What? (laughs) A speck of food? (laughs) So, like a pie? Just like like an apple pie? Space pie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, space pie just floating in the ocean. (laughs) Yeah, but it is actually a drill when it lands, and it drills into the ground so that only the tippy-tippy top of it, because initially when I first watched this, I'm going, where are these people coming from? No, I, I the ship is like it's it like eighteen like it inches off, off the ground and seemingly bottomless. <laughs> it was some kind of like model work or something, and I was expecting to see more modeling special effects in the rest of the movie, and I was severely disappointed. Yeah, the effects in this movie were I would describe as minimal. Minimal, minimal is minimal. a kind way to put that. Uh huh. Minimal, and 
I realized, I'm like, oh, they got some kid's toy, like, like a <laughs> toy spaceship car kind of thing. And that's what this, I'm like, my God, you must be full. Like the, when you, they show people getting out, I'm like, you must be folded up at a ball in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so going going back to the clown car point John made earlier. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it, you can do so much with children's toys and modeling and some forced perspective. That just isn't what happened here. Hey, they had a lobster. <laughs> they did have a lobster, only it looked kind of small. It might have been a crawfish. I don't really know. Well, it's really hard to say because <laughs> the things that happened in the screening which made this movie even funnier was that every time they said Gargon, which is the name of the monster that they have brought to earth to basically devour all of the life on earth so that it can be like a farm for this. Cause this is what the aliens eat. These giant Gargon. Yeah, they're going to turn monsters. it into a farm planet. And it, and it had that reaction with the nitrogenous gases in the atmosphere. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot. This oh, on for so long. Yeah. That opening we'll scene stop. goes on with so much space mumbo jumbo. It's and killing it. It. No, no, it's making it stronger. It's adapting. <laughs> well, the thing is in the screening, somebody started calling the Gargons lesbians. Oh no. Which made it f even funnier. So lines which were initially this. We shall not have the thousands of Gargans brought here to destroy them. Turned into this. We shall not have the thousands of lesbians brought here to destroy them. And it was not even in an insulting way. It was like just on this planet, this is what lesbians are. And so <laughs> lobsters. <laughs> so, okay. you know, whatever, fine, just go with it, roll with it. But you know, <laughs> so throughout the course of the movie, every time somebody said that, I'd be like, We're gonna, so have, just imagine this planet with herds of lesbians crawling all over it. Hey, Attack of the 50 Foot Woman is a different movie. But well, going back to them being lobsters, they talked about putting elastic bands around its legs so it couldn't escape. And I'm like, guys, that's, that's just what you do to lobsters. That's what you do to their claws. <laughs> that's what you do to lobsters. You, you weren't even trying. Okay. So, yeah. So, they've come to unleash a herd of lesbians. <laughs> the lesbians are reacting to the nitrate. No, I just want to point out that this is in no way, none of this turned out to be like a negative attack on lesbians. It was just like, imagine that this is what it is on their planet. And so, like, the, the, so we always had the Gargon was talking around. It was like, you know, hey, Pam, Pam. <laughs> Much like the attack of the 15-foot woman. Who's always looking for Harry? Harry! Harry! <laughs> She's ripping off the tops of the building looking for Harry. The Gargon lesbian was always looking for her girlfriend. Pam! Pam! Oh, no. Pam! <laughs> I'm thinking that maybe we should put a bookshelf in over here, ma'am. What do you think? <laughs> it was cute. Oh. I thought it was cute. There was no malice involved, so please don't yell at me. But what I love, too, is that all these space aliens are getting out of there. They're a tiny spaceship, and they all have space caboodles. <laughs> they do have little space caboodles. Do they have caboodles in the UK, John? No, what's a caboodle? You're going to have to explain Maya, this to me. Explain, explain Absolutely. It. As a uh, child of the 90s, we were all sold these plastic makeup kits that opened in multiple directions. So it would be like this hard clamshell, and then the first top bit of it would like open up, but then all these stacked drawers would expand out, and you could keep all your like fake makeup for 10-year-olds in it. Now, as a stage actor, I've actually continued to use caboodle I have I have I have had a, a train case I've had a caboodle for 25 years yeah no I have a purple yeah. sparkly one it, it has my stage makeup kit in it yeah uh, exactly most people age out of using caboodles though <laughs> not on this planet <laughs> not not on I, not 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 on planet wherever the fuck they're from <laughs> 
Do they ever say? Do we get a no. name? No. no. They keep saying we're the superior race with superior no. weapons. No, excuse me. No, they don't. Broke. No, time, Maya Murphy. That is not what they see. They keep saying we are the supreme race and we have the supreme, supreme weapons. Supreme. And I'm like, and we're also the supremes. <laughs> but they, baby love, my babe. <laughs> our our space boy, Derek. Derek's his name. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. Okay. His the, weapon the people- breaks. Supreme weapon. If you broke it, like what? <laughs> I don't. That's not how that works. Well, and like also, the fact the that the fact that the people from space are like, and here are the aliens from space. We have Saul, and and Thor. Saul and, and Thor and Derek. Derek. <laughs> Derek from space. It's such a mundane name, Derek. Derek slash Thal slash Thor. They're wearing these jumpsuits. I didn't mean to talk over you, Maya. What did you say? I am so sorry. No, I just wrote the names of the aliens down because I fa- I was so puzzled. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. And they speak perfect English perfect <laughs> and well. understand English. But it's in a wide variety like- of accents. It's on this very elevated speech with very little drive behind it. So, like, they're trying to, I don't know if they're trying to go, like, Star Trek universe, everything is magically translated, but it's going to be, you know, blah, like this, for no reason. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, they I, all kind of talk mildly robotically like this as well, but... I was going to say, I really picked up on that. It seems like in the 1950s, the idea of um, alien speech was that nobody ever abbreviates anything. Yeah. <laughs> no true. contractions in space. No, yeah. No apostrophes. There are no commas in space. <laughs> right. And so, right. I'm sure George Lucas would agree with that. There's no underwear in space and there's no, there's no oh, commas, God. according to him. Oh, I don't, I don't have the time to talk about no underwear in space. But immediately, this movie achieves one of the Scream Queen's rules. Like, you know, the rules of every horror science fiction movie. Scream Queen's rule number two is that the dog always dies. <laughs> that poor, poor dog. Poor Sparky. Poor, poor Sparky. Poor Sparky. Sparky wasn't doing nothing to nobody. <laughs> My thing, though, is we established in some many, many times that where they landed is very far from town. <laughs> what was he doing there? What the fuck was putting on all the way in the goddamn He just put out his breakfast 20 minutes ago. He, he must run really fast. He chose to go for across four ago. counties. <laughs> <laughs> It's the saddest ending to Homeward Bound ever. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I just wanted Aunt, Aunt Sassy, or was it Sassy the cat, the Sally Field cat from Homeward Bound around the corner, like, Sparky, no. She's like, cats rule, dogs die. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact, once you have attached the fact that there is something distinctly gay going on with the aliens, a lot of their dialogue becomes hilarious because Derek, in the midst of all this, this whole thing, he's like, well, wait a minute. We just shot this dog. This dog has this weird metallic tag that has inscriptions on it that clearly was carved by an intelligent race, a race with some form of intelligence. This is an inhabited planet. We can't use this planet. We have to go home. I have found evidence of intelligent beings on this planet. Of what concern are foreign beings? Of none to you, Thor. Just as you were so unconcerned when you destroyed this small creature so bravely. It was no more than an insect. But it had life. And that life you had to take to satisfy your endless hunger for killing. Silence, both of you. Died, blah, 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 blah. And I found this ancient book, blah, 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 blah. Short, long story short, they're going to arrest him for rebelling. Mm-hmm. He wants to feel loved. He doesn't feel loved. Uh-huh, because on our, on, on our, on our planet, apparently everybody is male and, you know, everybody's kept in cubicles. 
<laughs> oh yeah, now, now they're robotic, but Derek also has that like funny kind of talking here in his voice for no reason. And I can't tell if that's him acting or if that's just how the actor sounds. It's probably a little bit of both, but at one point they have him captured and one of the, and like somebody's like, take him and bring him to the jail cell or whatever on the, on the teeny tiny spaceship. <laughs> and one of the other guy goes, goes, I'll get the straps. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't say that right. I contracted. I'm sorry. I will get the straps. I will get the straps. <laughs> I, like, really I bet them. you will, girl. This scene goes on forever. <laughs> it's so does. It's really, really long. They tie him up and they just like leave him in the middle of the dirt while they go back into the ship. And then there's just like a shot of him face down on the ground with his butt in the air, just bleeding. <laughs> Uh -huh. Do they even tie him up or do they just assume he's going to stay down? It's like the honor system or something. Well, he said, I will get the straps, which means please stay here until we come back and tie him up. I <laughs> but guess. then they asked how he escaped. So I think he might have been like cuffed or something. I, I don't know. I, you know. I don't know. I was, I was scribbling. I was scribbling at that point. So yeah. I don't know exactly what happens. But he gets away and he runs away and everybody, the most of them leave, but they leave Thor there to capture him. And they tell him the best hair. Like he has this serious widow's peak and you can glass on his cheekbones. And he had eyebrow game that you could use on Riverdale right now. Cause I don't care what anybody says about that show. Everybody's eyebrows on that show terrify me. And I don't know why it's a really weird choice that they all have identical eyebrows and they're all really thick. I don't know what fashion choice this is about or what kind of the part of the comic they're trying to emulate, but it scares me. But yeah, he's got great hair and terrifying eyebrows. But he's given the order to hunt down Derek, destroy him, and destroy anyone he talks to. Yeah, kill anyone he comes into contact with, which is... And boy, does he. Oh, yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> he's a real yep. shoot first, ask questions later kind of guy. That, well, that nurse, that nurse randomly gets knocked out but not <laughs> shot, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they take, he takes real pity on that nurse. Mm -hmm. like, she could have melted his cold, cold heart. <laughs> well, she was his Betty. <laughs> she was his Betty. <laughs> She was his Betty. They oh oh yeah oh another more lost love. Mm. She'll be thinking of him that night. Like, well, I wonder where he is now. <laughs> and anyway, they have no idea what we're talking about. But that's okay. But yeah, so yeah, Derek goes running off to town by himself. He walks all the way in, and the he stops at a gas station to ask what the inscriptions on this metallic doodad is. And the gas station attendant. Does anybody know who that is? No. Roger Corman. No. Yeah, no. legendary film director, <clears throat> producer, Roger Corman. Was That's a longtime friend of the director. Okay. I need to go back and watch that again. Yeah, well, that's what I it said so. in the IMDb. And I said, I can't verify, but I'm not sure. But that's what it said. I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> and if it's not, I'll edit it in post because that's what post is for. Or I won't. I'll just get letters. But yeah, but no, he stops at the gas station and it's great. It's just more nonsense, more mumbo jumbo. He's like, oh yeah, it's 352 something, something Willowbrook way. It's just three blocks that way. And Derek's like, okay, but what's a block? What's <laughs> no, a Willowbrook? I had a thought at this point in the film. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, my American history isn't the best, but 19, this film comes out in 1959, right? Yes. Is this before, after, or during the Cold War? Uh, during. I thought it was during, because that's what yeah. I thought. If a heavily accented, strangely dressed young individual randomly turned up and started asking for directions and seemed to have no idea of context for anything. In a uniform. In a uniform. In a military uniform. Oh, he's from private school. He's from private school. He's, he just got out of Yale or something. That's all it is. Like, <laughs> it was so bizarre to me that everyone was so welcoming to him. Well, it was one of those super nice towns that everybody lived in in the 50s. Real mm -hmm. America. Mm -hmm. Real real America. Thank you, Maya. I was just trying to make out what kind of clothes that guy was wearing. 
Looks like some kind of military uniform. Wonder where he's from. Could be from Mars, Paul. I care. Hurry up that boy, will you? I haven't got old age. Oh, yeah. And by the way, these uniforms are like the greatest jumpsuits ever. Only Derek's was well tailored. Everyone else had a baggy jumpsuit. Everyone had a baggy jumpsuit, and Derek really liked his belt. Yeah. I liked how the like accoutrements were just duct tape. <laughs> it was just duct tape. Was it really? It seemed like it was just like they just like put it looked like it was just tape. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, okay. Because because the cause, lines only matched on Derek's, and everyone else was kind of like billowy and haphazard. But the they they had that triangle to make his shoulders look bigger. Oh, girl. <laughs> well, shoulder pads. No, no, no. I mean, just the, the visual line. I think he had shoulder pads, too. Just well, like, my mind. Crawford should have been in We're, the we're back to Joan Collins. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I, I just mean um, the, his jumpsuit had an inverted triangle on it, try, and it's, uh, the accent tape was a lighter color, so they're trying to give you the visual idea that his shoulders are bigger than his waist. Mm-hmm. Also, trying. I just realized, if you want to get really deep, did you just say he had an upside-down triangle on his chest? Oh, wow. Is that like a symbol somewhere? Did yeah, like, if it, like maybe, this, maybe if this movie was in color, it might have been pink. Pink, perhaps? <laughs> perhaps, maybe. But no, I, I love the Thor. His big acting choice, when he was having big moments, he would, he would act with his belt. <laughs> <laughs> he was the only one who ever touched his belt, so I think maybe he's the only one who had a real belt, perhaps. <laughs> See, we, we have a belt. Here it is. Look at it. Doing belt stuff. And the thing is, once you tap into the gay stuff, you're like, wait a minute. And also realize, we should point out at this point that you're not wrong if you're seeing it. Because the director, Tom Grafe, was gay. Ah. That makes sense. One of the few people in Hollywood in the 50s who was gay and out. Everybody knew it. Out, holy shit! Okay, as out oh, sorry. as you can. I, can as, I swear on your podcast? I didn't ask. Oh my god, Maya! Oh my god! Yes, really? of course you can. Get fucked. Of course you can. Go, go fuck yourself, kid. Right. <laughs> yes, of course you can. Um, yeah, he was he was as out as you could be. Well, good for him. Uh huh. And his boyfriend, his longtime boyfriend, was David Love. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Derek. Yeah. Yes. And also, I just love anytime you see Derek run. I'm like. <clears throat> Girl. <laughs> Girl. And he, he doesn't walk. He struts. And I'm like, oh, honey. Oh, God. Oh, work. Work. <laughs> you could play Staying Alive of any Derek walking scene, and it would just fit right in. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just, uh, just, you know, supermodel anything. It all works. <laughs> but Thor's walking down the highway to town, and this car just randomly pulls up. He's like, hey. Oh my God! The guy in the in the suit jacket, the checkerboard one. Oh, I I, I have notes about that. Which uh, is all totally fifties gay cruisy stuff. It says, oh, oh yeah. Oh, the the guy in the the sports jacket says, uh, searching for someone, eh? And I'm just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh huh, uh huh. Never saw a uniform like that before. What brings you here? I am searching for someone. Maybe I can help you. You know a lot of folks around these parts. I am searching for someone you could not know. <laughs> but again, he gets in the car and he's like, oh, you know, I know everybody in town. Where are you going? Maybe I can help you find all the guy dad <laughs> didn't say was cash grass or ass. Uh... <laughs> all he didn't say. And he, he even said something like, hold on a second. Hold oh, he's like, he's like, oh, I should probably stop and get some gas because it's about time i got my tank filled mm, it's about time i have a tank filled 
And then once you see it, it's everywhere. He's like, what's this? It's a gear shift. What is this? The gear shift. Where have you been all your life? The gear shift. Tell me what it is for. Now look, mister, I didn't offer you a ride to give no driving lesson. What's it for? Oh, can we talk about the obsession with cars in this movie? Yes. And it's yes. always, I've, I've never piloted an automobile of this type. Like a it's, vehicle. They keep, vehicle <laughs> they keep talking about it throughout the movie. And it's, they don't learn the word car, but they keep talking about them. Uh-huh. And Bessie suspects nothing. 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 <laughs> Bless her little heart. Bless her heart. We haven't even met her yet. But this is like the second time somebody's commented on the outfit. And he, the driver's like, it's a strange outfit you've got on. What are you, part of some kind of group? And I'm thinking, yes, I am a part of the Rhythm Nation. <laughs> <laughs> so it was something like a 1950s Janet Jackson thing going on. With these oh, outfits. absolutely. <laughs> it made me so happy. It just made me so happy. Meanwhile, back in town, you know, Derek's found the house where Sparky lived. All right, peace, Sparky. Oh. R.I.P. Sparky. Actually, I wrote that down. I wrote R.I.P. Dog. And there's a sign. There's a there's a hand drawn sign out front that there's a room for. Okay, and- only half of the sign was hand drawn, which was weird. <laughs> <laughs> like the top half was painted over, and then the rest of it was like a sign you'd get at a hardware store. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just don't ask. If Seth, just I, let it wash over you. It was weird. It was weird. I I noticed it. That's all. Uh huh. No, I noticed it too. But I'm just like, okay, that's a weird thing. To, okay, we're gonna buy a sign and then draw on it or we can just draw one say that whatever okay whatever we just had a sign but yeah but just he just happens to be there and i guess he can't read he can speak but he can't read because he can't figure out what's on the dog tag and betty's coming out and betty is immediately like chukunk (laughs) (laughs) oh man i'm betty morgan and this is my grandfather now how do you do son Uh, just arrived in town don't believe i've seen you around before i just arrived and your name? Derek. Derek. The empty room belonged to my brother, Bud. He's married now and lives upstate. Your brother? You knew your brother? Did I know my brother? That's a strange question to ask. Grandpa raised us both since we were kids after Mom and Dad died. I'm sorry, I... It's just that I never knew any brothers or sisters. (laughs) Your mother and father decided to play it smart and avoid a lot of squabbles around the house. Oh, Grandpa. (laughs) I never knew my mother or father. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's like like a Roger Rabbit. A man! (laughs) But this is what really confused me about. Yeah, is sorry, jo- is, sorry, I know I'm jumping ahead a bit, but is Joe, who we meet shortly afterwards, is she? Is he her boyfriend or her brother? I wasn't no, clear on that relationship. Bud is her brother, who we never meet. Bud is the room that's getting lent. So Joe is supposed the, to be her boyfriend. And by the way, yeah. Joe, the reporter, is the director himself, Tom Grave. Oh, no. okay. Working under a different name. <laughs> of course. So she's dating two gay men. <laughs> <laughs> Read the signs, girl. Read the signs. This they keep calling it a city, but this ain't no city. This is like a town. This is like a teeny tiny looking town. And you somehow probably happen to find the two gay people. (laughs) There was only one before. One had to come from space to the population. And you found both of them. And poor thing. She assumes that he's there to rent the room. She brings him inside and meets I'm recovering from a stroke, grandpa. Oh dear. (laughs) 
And oh, he always with with no like we mentioned earlier with no problem. He's got a place to live now. Derek, I was just talking to Grandpa. And, well, if you don't have the rent money right away, that could wait until he gets a job, couldn't it, Grandpa? Mm, why, sure, that's all right with me, Betty. But then if he doesn't like the room, I like it here very much. I would like to stay. Fine. Yeah, with no job or understanding of the planet or a town. Or a last so name. Or at some point. It's fine. Yeah. Or references, because this is a nice town and everybody's friendly here. It's America, the real America, not you liberal piece of crap towns. But <laughs> as for all this information, he's white. He must be fine. Uh, from outer space and he happens to be white good for you <laughs> how about that yeah, this movie would have played out very differently if that if that uh, alien supreme species had uh, looked at been black oh <laughs> yeah yeah uh-huh uh-huh absolutely uh-huh. absolutely and i just love to grandpa's like well would you like to see the room young man and she was like knocked him out of the way she's like i'll show him <laughs> <laughs> You're barking up the wrong tree, Patty. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Meanwhile, Thor's in hot pursuit. He winds up at the gas station and has to kill everybody there. And what do they call it? His gun? The particle disintegrator? Uh, something, something like that. Like yeah, and we learn. Weapon. It's, the, it's a ray gun. And Derek says it has the power to separate the living molecules from not the whatever, so that only the the structural stuff remains. And I'm going, bones are living, but apparently bones are it can alive be- though. Uh huh, uh huh. The, the bones are alive. Yes, the stuff in the bones are alive, but it has no problem melting clothes and bathing caps. <laughs> what I think he means is that this gun can turn a human being into one of those little bio- biology skeletons that you get in your cl- in your high school classroom. I That's will bet you, John. I will bet you year on pounds, not euros, right? Uh, we're pounds, yes. Right, I will bet you ten pounds. I'll bet you ten pounds that it's the same skeleton that we see every time. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Men and women have the exact same skeletons, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Sure. Size, sure. There's age, a part gender. when the professor when the professor gets disintegrated where you can clearly see a screw through the hip bone <laughs> holding it in place. There's a part during the police shoot down that one that one snazzy scene where you see like the gun, the hand with the gun come out. And then it goes, you know, it disappears behind the pole again. And then uh, Thor's like zing, zing, zing with the laser and the skeleton falls out. There is clearly a hook. <laughs> there is a screw hook in the top of the skull. Oh, no. Of the skeleton. And you know what? I don't mind. <laughs> For some reason, that's part of the charm of this movie. But anyway. Oh, pardon me. My cat has decided to go climb on my piano because I'm not paying enough attention to him. Don't have too much mm. fun without me. Okay, we Come won't. On. Yeah. Okay. You are. I, no, it is. It is totally this. I'm. It, 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 once I realized that, I'm like, wow, you got your money's worth. I don't know how much they spent on that dog skeleton. I think this is where the whole budget went. <laughs> and apparently that first like interaction when Thor gets out of the spaceship and shoots the dog and it turns into a skeleton, that's what sold it to Warner Brothers. What? I'm not, it's a strong opening. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I that's was, all they saw. That's all they yeah. saw. That's like that's all we have right now. And they're like, Maybe we love they it. Thought they were gonna go like John Wick on it, like humans <laughs> versus aliens. You killed my dog. No, it's like, from out of space. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, oh yeah, well, well, Betty's got a swimming date over at Hilda's. <laughs> Your boyfriend was gonna come with, but she has a new boyfriend from space. It's okay. I have a new boyfriend from space, but he's a reporter and he's got things to do. Well, first he has to do a. Re- Chase down people 
who saw this the flying saucer last night, and then when the murders come up, that's keep, conveniently keeping him off the scene so she could court some other homosexual. But what I love about that though is that he he says uh, he can't come to the swimming date because he has to cover another um, flying yeah. saucer spotting. So it's like, is this whole film filmed in like Area Fifty One? How often is this happening? <laughs> Well, you know, if you're not, I mean, it's clearly California, but I mean, because you can see all the palm trees and stuff, but I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's the 50s. Sure. Sure. Paranoid People times. Are that, yeah, uh-huh. Paranoid times. And, Although not know, relating I, to heavily accented strange men, apparently. If, strange if you dogs. can't tell that Joe's a reporter, you can tell by his hat that <laughs> three sizes too big. Oh my goodness. His hat and his, and his suit. Yeah. It's all too big. And I'm like, I'm dressed as a reporter for Halloween. All I needed was like... Like a piece of paper under the brim and a pencil in his ear, and then he would have been a reporter completely. It's yeah, yeah, and I just this whole. It's very funny too. It's that they're they're oh we're going for the swim date over at Hilda's, which is a weird name for a teenager even then. She was in her mid to late fifties. Let's be real. Easily. No, no, no. Fifties. No, she's like a really good, taking care of her skin, hydrated forty. Okay. Well, her skin's not going to be that good after sitting in that pool all day, eighteen hours on set. Thank you very much. No, no, you can't get out of the pool. Stay in the pool. We'll be, we'll, be, we'll be rolling again in a minute. Just stay in the pool, honey. But yeah, and it's funny too because like when you know Der- uh, Thor shows up later, and Grandpa gives him drinks. He's like, oh, we're looking for Derek. Well, he just went swimming over at at Hilda's. Well, you just go a couple blocks that way, and just at the end of town, it's the biggest house in town. You can't miss it. This ain't a house; it's a fucking mansion. Oh, I know. That is so not a part of that town. It's got those Greek columns in the front. Uh huh. And that was actually Hilda's real house. The actress who played Hilda. Hmm. So she's getting paid to be in the movie, but also actually she kids. she actually this was one of the many stories about the movie. She gave uh, the director and her her and her her husband gave him six thousand dollars to get the movie started. Never got it back. Oh, took him to court. Shocking. <laughs> no, took him to court. He almost got. Uh, it, it, it was one of the many many things on the road to things that we're going to talk about later about this movie, but we're not going to bring him up now because we're having fun right now. Right, oh, good. Yeah, let's keep it light. Keeping it light, keeping it light. And Hilda, gets, <laughs> Hilda is actually amazing. I wanted more of Hilda. Hi there. Who's the stranger? Joe couldn't make it out. I talked Derek into coming along. Derek? Hey, I like that. Come on in. The water's fine. Well, we need a pair of swim trunks. I couldn't find any at my house. No problem at all. He can wear a pair of my father's. The folks are gone today, and so are the servants. We have the whole place to ourselves. Yeah. She was definitely. such a like pre, she was so Samantha Jones before Samantha Jones. Oh, yeah. absolutely. She couldn't wait. She's like, well, you can wire one of my dad's bathing suits and maybe you're going to have to need clothes. <laughs> Which, by the way, is disgusting. Who shares swimming trunks? Like, it is disgusting. And she's, it was, she said, well, I hope that you, you might have to use clothes. I'm sorry, I'm doing it. She talks with her mouth really wide. You're going to have to probably like, use clothes. Wealthy older white vowels. Like, oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, those overwide valves. You might need clothespins to hold them up to keep them on, meaning that I hope they fall off the second you hit the water and I can see your peony. That's all what that meant. <laughs> Poor thing. To get in Derek's space pants. <laughs> well, of course, Hilda's probably like, girl, get in the pool. <laughs> we got to talk. I got to dish this, this, this shitty bird that we're trapped in. Girl, tell me where you've been. I love, your, I love your jumpsuit, actually. The fact that he wore a suit jacket to go to a swim party is also hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked how um, Hilda – is it Hilda or Alice? I thought it was Alice because I thought, I thought Hilda was, was the – Isn't Hilda the 
isn't Hilda somebody else? Isn't Hilda like the secretary later on? We can pull up the IMDb. You know what? I guess you're right. I thought I could have sworn somebody. I thought it was Hilda. It does sound right that it's Al. You know what? You're right. I think it is Alice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I loved how she's been. You know what? Why don't we just go ask Alice? I think she'll know. Oh, that's disgusting. You go home. (laughs) I am home. Uh, by the second... It looks like it's Alice, Sonia Torgerson. Sonia ah, okay. Which is such a name for a person who talks like this. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> she worked hard on that accent. She was the Meryl Streep of this movie. Fortunately, she, unfortunately, she's only in two very brief scenes because she's the most interesting character. Of course, the game ends like, who's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to party with her. <laughs> well, hello. What can I do for you? You are alone? Could be. Where are the others? The ones who are with you? Why do you want to know that? Tell me where they are. Say, who are you anyway? Never mind. Just tell me. Well, they left here. They're gone. Where did they go? I think you better get out of here before I call the police. You will call no one. You will do as I say. That's what you think, mister. I said you will call no one. Betty, move aside. Betty's adorable in her own right. And actually, she is kind of, she is uh, making fun of her. Like, there's something I just wanted to say about the movie. It's bad, mm-hmm. but there's like a weird sense of innocence to the whole thing that makes oh, it kind absolutely. of charming. It was definitely made in earnest. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't someone's like vanity project. Like, they were trying to make a movie. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some there's some kind of touching moments that almost work in it. I'm going, you guys almost had something here, but then other stuff happens. It just it just it just is so ridiculous and wonderful. But Alice does not last long, and I'm very sad. Yes, Thor's well, having none of it. Once you realize that, you know, I in my imagination, like Derek and Thor, maybe they didn't date, but you know, maybe they had like you know experimentation back in junior high or something. Oh, but they Thor have has never gotten but, over it, though. Thor is very- right, but then when Derek joined the drama club and, and Thor was on football, they didn't have any time for each other and they just grew apart. But, you know, Derek, I thought I never stopped thinking of and, you know, you know, Derek's got his theater friends now and you know how they are. You can never get away from your goddamn theater friends. You always have a rehearsal. You're always at a goddamn party. You know how it is, Maya. <laughs> I we're obnoxious do. people. <laughs> we're we're uh, needy. We're needy folk. <laughs> Before we close the book on Alistair, can we just talk about her hair very briefly? Her hair is amazing. She must be floating on the very top of that water all day. Because <laughs> by the second scene, like, because obviously we meet her initially when um, Derek and Betty go to the pool party, which apparently yes. is just the three of them, the pool threesome. They couldn't and, afford um, the background. Maybe. And then they go to the, um, and then, but then four turns up later on and she's, by this point she's been swimming for hours maybe? And her hair is perfect. Uh-huh. It is dry. She even takes off a shower cap and it just bounces back. It's insanity. Which, no, that doesn't happen. Oh, so she's supposed to have a shower cap on them. No, no. No, those things do not happen. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in the era where when you went to a public swimming pool, all girls had to wear bathing caps. No questions asked. You couldn't get in the pool without a bathing cap. And I know damn well what it looks like when they take their hat. It doesn't look like that. Oh, it's unpleasant. I was it does when you're Sonia. What's her name? Briefly, <laughs> it was, oh, God, no. I have, I have terrible memories of that. And I never understood why. Like, why just the girls? Like- it was the 70s. The guy's hair was just as long as the girls. Oh, well, we can talk about rule enforcement and sexism some other time. Sure, it's the swim triarchy. <laughs> the aquiarchy. 
Yeah, I got nothing. I've got nothing. Yeah, but now we find, you know what? And the thing is, as sweet and nice and as kind of endearing as Betty is and tragic in her own right now, <laughs> if you're reading the subtext, she is nonplussed completely about the death of her dog. She yeah, takes it so well. Happens. She's, more, do that. she's more upset about Alice than she's about her dog. I would have been heartbroken. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, if you fuck with my pets, you're terrible and I will end you. Like, yeah. I, I'm very John Wick about this. I could see her not believing at first. And then when she's like, well, take me there. And she's like, well, no, obviously this, this dog, this body of this dog has been out here for a long time. It's just bones. And that's when we get the whole particle disintegrator speech yeah the the woo science and he's like look for more proof look at the tree the tree was hit with it too i'm like then the whole tree should be gone <laughs> trees don't have bones you idiot <laughs> i'm sorry i clearly don't understand science not science 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 <laughs> movie <Yeah>. science <laughs> and meanwhile the whole thing the lesbian has been left in a cave <laughs> The lesbian with the elastic restraints has been left in a cage. Uh-huh, and the poor uh -huh. thing is it, and it, you can't let it eat. Wait, can we talk about the voiceover that happens every time the lesbian is on screen? Wow! Ah! Yeah. Ah! <laughs> Pam! Ah! Pam, you gotta get in this cave! There's so much space in here! We can do so much with this! Pam! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so this movie were made with love and with that noise i'm like you didn't even try no you didn't even, you didn't even try with the lobster because it's clearly a lobster clearly a lobster you <laughs> left the rubber bands on your lobster when you got it at the, at the you market you didn't add extra legs you didn't put weird filters on it nothing it's a straight up lobster in a lobster cage when it arrives. it's in a lobster trap or lesbian trap, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'm trying to read my notes. Oh, yeah. I got to go back to Alice for one more thing. <laughs> for one more thing. Before they go to the pool party, she says, well, Joe, oh, she goes in to tell Grandpa. Oh, well, Joe just said he can't go to the pool party. He's got a story. Grandpa, maybe I should invite Derek to come to the pool party with us. And Grandpa says, well, it would depend how Alice feels about it. And she goes, oh, Grandpa, you don't know Alice. And I thought, she's a huge whore. Enormous <laughs> <laughs> whore. <laughs> I guess Alice has two hobbies in this film, and they are swimming and fucking. That's Alice. <laughs> I think those are fine hobbies. <laughs> I have no issue with this. Special skills, swimming, fucking. Yeah. Having amazing hair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is when we're now we're back in the desert over the dead over the body of the dead talk. <laughs> Betty and Derek fall in love. <laughs> or Betty does anyway. Betty falls in love. Even the she, first time she kisses him, he like isn't even looking at her. Well, I get oh, that. Chemistry he, is sizzling. It well, is I get sizzling. That well, okay, we jump to the end and I don't care. That's what we do here. We I'm jump sorry, around. That's no, not all no, the way to the we, end. More things no, happen after that. No, 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 no. We jump around here and that's totally fine because this scene is amazing and I don't want to forget it. Their first kiss, I get it. When he's just like totally blank because he doesn't know what it is. Well, first she falls because she's running on a grassy hill. In and she's a girl in a movie. And she's a girl. So she like does yeah. the little bend uh, over flail and then falls uh. down. And then they roll around in the grass and she kisses him. And he's kind of like looking at something far away. Uh-huh. 
And then, and then she kisses him again. He's like, maybe I should try this. Nope, nope, don't like that. <laughs> yeah, well, no, keep it. No, well, he did that. He's like, well, I guess maybe I should do this. Uh, uh, oh, look, the lesbian just showed up. Oh, well, I gotta go handle the lesbian. <laughs> Saved by the lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> But this first scene over the dog, she's looking and she's like, it's really weird. You know, every time I'm with you, I look at you and I feel like somehow I've always known you. Oh, yeah, the, I've always known you. Like, and he's like, always, ah. I wrote that. I've always known you. And I just thought, oh, Betty. Oh, be, oh God. Bad choices. Bad choices. She's you, very suggestible. She's going to end up in a cult. It's going to happen. <laughs> she is, she's going to be a Manson girl. Yes. <laughs> You're right. Betsy, oh a.k.a. Goodness. Squeaky Frome. Oh, no. Well, she was a little squeaky. <laughs> she had that high aspirated, you know, late 50s sexual voice. Uh-huh. But had still, it's a little bit, it's, but it's sexual, but still just a little bit, it's still a little bit little girl because they want to be an ingenue and not a whore. <laughs> also, I in this scene, I want to do all my movies in pools. Thank you. For <laughs> <laughs> also, in this scene, I noticed that she's wearing this kind of coat slash jacket, but she's wearing it like she's walking down a red carpet, like a or like a fashion catwalk, because she's like has it over her shoulders. But oh yeah, it's just over her shoulders. Yeah, it's it's a little odd. <laughs> Isn't it? I thought it was his jacket at that point because she's oh, in a ba- she was in her bathing was. suit. She had changed into her bathing suit. She wore. They both have like super impractical strapless swimsuits, which is just a glorified pool corset. Like those, Mm. that's not a pool party outfit. You're not going to get in the water in that. Your boobs are going to fall out. Like, mm, anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I'm sure that wasn't designed to do at all. Yeah, no, that's that's for posing. By the man who designed them. (laughs) Hey, Underwire was designed by, uh, what's his name? Howard Hughes. So like a man totally designed that. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so meanwhile, like the, the lesbians in the cave, it's not allowed to eat anything until the, the people, the, the aliens come back because if it eats, it will start growing exponentially. Exponentially, no conservation <laughs> of mass, no science. No, no, and they even said it will grow a million times its size. And I said, and how many? Like, so you only need like one to feed your planet is what you're saying. It's this one that you're going to be hurting, but not the point. It's in this cave, but the thing is, uh, Joe's still chasing down. The, now Joe's on the murder case, and he, he's tying it into the um, UFO sightings. And there's something, there's some reason he goes running out to the cave with somebody else. I forget who. I kind of blanked out for a moment there because I was laughing so hard because I realized they only referred to this cave that the lesbian is in. The gargons. I gotta stop doing that. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. That the lesbian is in. You cannot let the lesbian eat. <laughs> yeah, do not do not let that lesbian eat. <laughs> they only refer to it as the tunnel mm. or the mine shaft, both of which are infamous gay bars. <laughs> <laughs> so when the guy goes in there, uh, when Joe's companion goes in there, you hear him screaming. And I'm also picturing underneath it like... <laughs> Like some four four disco beat, like Studio Sixty Four. Love to love you, baby. Love to love you, baby. Oh my God, it's Lars and Natalie. I don't know what. Joe comes back and he's reporting. I don't know what happened. There was something in there. They were eating him alive. And I'm like, so he found the back room at the mine shaft. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Do you want a funk? Oh, won't you tell me now? I'm like this. And granted, those those bars did not exist at the time, but that's just. It's just funny that that's the only way they refer to 
Serendipity. We tore that man apart. Exactly. Oh, girl, we did. Oh, child. Oh, no. <laughs> there's no starting in news report because eventually now that it ate that guy it's grown and it can break, break out of the rubber bands and now it's like making its way across the town it kills a search party and now we're getting news reports oh my some- goodness no i took notes about this this is one of my favorite horror film tropes where they they cut to the news report but i love that no one is watching the television like <laughs> it's just on you no know, watching the tv we just the camera is set up at the tv and we're watching the news report and then later when we you're right. All of the characters are doing something else. The news character, <laughs> that camera has been zoomed in on. So we now have a close-up of the news reporter's face on this mystery TV somewhere in this town. Also, what what do you guys think is the time scale of this entire movie? I think it's one day. A Aristotelian day. unities, yeah. So is that thing just on 20? Is that news report just all it's on? Is it just on 24-7? I'm assuming in this kind of a situation, it would be a we interrupt this program to bring oh. you this you know, special report. Because it's an emergency thing. There's a, there's a giant lesbian threat in town. Giant lesbian threat. <laughs> you can't have those in real There's also lots of close-ups of newspaper, of like tabloid papers with like headlines. Yeah, there was that. There was that too. They're very fast to print. If this very, is all happening in this tiny town, they need a lot of updates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the, the thing is, at a certain point, they're like, there's, 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 there's a creature on the loose. And then they hand him a paper, as they always do in these things. You know, they get the little update. And as I'm getting reports, and I'm thinking in my mind, goes, that the creature, it's a rock. <laughs> no, it's a rock lobster. Oh, dear. <laughs> so I'm alternating back and forth. Anytime in later scenes where you're seeing the shadow of the demon lesbian lobster attacking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back and forth between calling it a lesbian and going ding 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 Quick, everybody get matching towels. It's the only way to contain it. Take shelter. Go to the love shack. Rob, if you want to. Hey. But we recommend getting in the basement right now. <laughs> we bring in this news report from Channel Z. Oh, deep cuts. Deep, well deep, deep done. Cuts. Oh, Channel that's Z is a number one hit. That's not a deep cut. Job. I just realized where they're from. They came from Planet Claire. <gasps> oh Jesus! <laughs> Wait, what was the name of the dog? Was it Sparky or was it Quiche? Oh. It was Sparky. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and do this all day. But so there's a whole thing. By the way, sorry, I would bet good money that the B-52s have seen this movie. Oh, of course they have. <laughs> that would not surprise me in the slightest. Of course they have. Of course they have. This is trashy and, that, and it's got a huge gay following, which I've discovered um, for lots of Kate reasons. Kate Pearson actually played the, played the lobster. Huh? Kate Pearson actually played the lobster. Oh, yeah, she did. <laughs> you couldn't see the beehive. They'd be like, yeah, I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm sorry. Sonia, whatever her name was, says, I'm the only one with great... I, I'm sorry. I'm the, I'm, no, so, Mike, could you do it for me? Could you just say, I'm the one who great hair? I'm the one with great hair and Al's voice. Oh, God. Uh, I, I can't. No, no, I'm thinking about it too hard now. Because she has, she, ha. <laughs> uh, I'm the one. No, it's, it's, I'm thinking about it too hard. You, you <laughs> exactly. I'm thinking about it too hard, too. It's, a, it's that whole kind of thing. It's like, ha, I can't do it no other. But anyway, let's pretend it was brilliant. 
<laughs> yeah, thank you. It was brilliant. Oh, bravo, bravo, bravo. bravo. Well done. Bravo. Well done. <laughs> sorry, patriarchy. I'm sorry, or gaytriarchy, if you would. Oh, dear. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, gosh. This film, the rest of the movie, it's a whole chase. is a chase between like, everybody. I'm kind of trying to compact things. It's barely a chase. Like the, the <laughs> pace of the movie does not pick up. It's just like, well, something bad might happen. Oh, we're driving around with Thor. He seems mad. But like, it never really ramps up. I like how Thor like goes between the grandpa, going to the grandpa for information, and then the grandpa telling him, "Oh, I think they were over there now." And then Sephora will chase them, find that they're not there, then go back to the grandpa and say, "Well, where do you think they are now?" Conservatively, that happens seventeen times. At least <laughs> the grandpa is like really leading him around and around. Easily, there's a whole chase over all around town. You know, where he's trying to follow them wherever they go. There's a gun battle with the police. Meanwhile, the lesbians on the loose. <laughs> And they're right, everybody's taking cover. And these shots, when I mean, you never see the monster. It's always in shadow. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking like... Wait, no, it's lit when it's coming over the hill next to the, um, the telephone poles. You can actually see a highlight on the shell of the lesbian. <laughs> on the exoskeleton. On the, on the lesbian exoskeleton. The rest of the time, it really looks like they, they hold a lobster in front of an overhead projector. Easily. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like well, there's the shadow. I can count the legs. I can't define anything. But you see, you see light on it over the hill in like one shot. Uh, that's the shot that makes me pee. <laughs> it's you the first me. time you see it. Some cop sees it. He's like, oh my God, what's that? And it's just standing there with the claws waving in the air, waving them like I just don't care. <laughs> you just don't care. And several thoughts occurred to me at the time. <laughs> Initially, I pictured him getting on the radio like, this is, this is, this is, this is, call, whatever. I'm reporting, there's, there's a lesbian on the side of the road doing an Ava Perona impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, if that, if that lobster had started singing Don't Cry From Your Argentina. Like, Would have been amazing. The other thought was, or a Melissa Pam, Edwards song. Pam, Pam, window. <laughs> hey Pam, listen, I was in the cave and I realized it's a great place for the bay window, but I don't have my measuring tape. If you can bring my measuring tape, the bay window should be this wide. I know where to move my arms, Pam, Pam. Oh dear. Pam, it's gonna have a great view of the yurt. <laughs> but the don't cry for me, Argentina. Like, oh my god. And they kept showing that shot. I'm like, stop singing Avina. <laughs> Is there a piano bar anywhere around here? My god. <laughs> no, in real America, piano bars aren't approved. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not at all. And eventually the lesbian is destroyed. Oh, but okay, so here's the thing. So he shoots, he destroys the, the lesbian by shooting it with the um, <laughs> supreme I weapon. I get so many emails. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I, start, I started it. John's you just did, following you did. my lead. I am. I'm just. But he shoots it with the supreme distinct dis disintegrator gun, which, as we've established, the only thing it cannot destroy is bone. And right. yet, lobsters are famously have exoskeletons. Uh-huh. So surely it should be immune to this gun. Or it sh or the shell should be still around. Yeah, the shell yeah, should sure. still be there, and then it could but be this monument to the time that the lesbians attacked. Uh-huh. Sure. Well, hey, we can move in. <laughs> hey, Pam, we can move into this giant shell. <laughs> so, yeah, I was just like, what are they going to do with this giant lobster corpse now? Like, <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? It's the 50s. They'll like, they'll, it'll be a roadside attraction. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> or it'll be like those those dinosaurs at, at motels, like in uh, Pee Wee Herman. Mm. Yes. Yeah, but you know, and then all this is danger and whatever. And the two of the, well, the, the poor Betty just keeps falling deeper and deeper in love. It is he not. He said he'd e- never leave. I didn't want him to leave. He not said even he'd never put leave. off by the fa- not even put off by the fact that he's like, uh, yeah. Listen, I'm not from here. I'm actually from sp- space. Yeah. I. Uh, he doesn't also, want her I to feel. I just learned it. I had a dad, and like I've always felt unloved. So maybe I'm gonna go resolve that. <laughs> Maybe I should do that, but you know I'm not gonna be able to. I'm not gonna be here. I'm like really not. You're a really nice girl, but listen, I, okay, I'm gay. <laughs> How does Joe feel about all of this as well? Poor Joe, like she did him wrong. She really did. She really did. Her but, need you know, for being met. She just she keeps trying to date gay men, and why they agree <laughs> to date her is uh, beyond me. But because like, it's the fifties, that's why. Oh, that's so gross. But because yeah, she just, it's the fifties. That's love. why. Just looking for love. Uh-huh. In all the right, and literally in all the wrong places. <laughs> literally in all the wrong places. <laughs> and you know, he says to her, he's like, "I think the Earth is my home now, and I promise you, I'll never leave you, or whatever." But the problem is, even though they destroyed the lesbians, I'm sorry, I hit myself. The Gargon. We destroyed the Gargon. The Gargon. I couldn't remember what it was called. The Rock Lobster. We destroyed you. the Rock Lobster. We destroyed Portia de Rossi. And- the, 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 we, oh, don't you dare destroy Portia de Rossi. <gasps> Get off my show right now. Oh, no. See, yeah, you, you, can't, you can't do that. I will be okay, very... We, okay, we're going to war, right? That was a declaration of war, John. Declaration of war against the lesbians. Oh, <laughs> I love Arrested Developments. I love Portia de Rossi. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, no, no. She's fabulous. She's absolutely she's fabulous. also excellent. Uh, more recently on the Santa Clarita Diet. She was great on that. And I kind of felt like she was the same. It was an extension of the character that she played on Better Off Ted. Better Off Ted, yes. Like, this is the same character after that That company went defunct. She went. She was, okay, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about Portia de Rossi. It's so but, easy to talk about her. I love her so much. I love her, too. Such a funny woman. I hate seeing you like this. No. I'm telling you, I hate <laughs> like this. <laughs> Are you yeah. trying to cry? I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> She's, I love her. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't get enough of her. Let's start, let's talk about her inside this movie. No, we're almost done because yeah. But it turns out the, the 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 fleet is returning from Claire with the rest of the herd to destroy Earth for all and. Instead of staying with Betty, he's like, you know what? I'm going to make the ultimate sacrifice and stay. <laughs> and, and he blows himself up. Bart, stop. Oh, God, cats. I actually don't remember exactly how this went down. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm distracted. No, no, no. You're, it's fine. No, we heard Bart, and I was carrying on with John. I was like, I don't remember exactly how it went down that he got up in the sky to blow up the rest he of the fleet. He seemed to be, like, voice controlling the entire fleet. He was like, "Oh, that's right. really fast at these, these coordinates," and then they just do it, and then they just crash into the. But all these spaceships crash into the, the ground and explode. Oh, and oh, oh! So yeah, so oh, he oh, right. He must have guided them into because he must. Did he go back in the little ship? Yes, he went back into the clown car to talk to his dad with the creepy beard. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, so I guess he directed them to crash on top of him or something. Yes. Okay, so he kills himself in the process, which was totally unnecessary he but could have he sent turned them to- into a mist and went up into the atmosphere mufasa thank you very yeah, much what full mufasa that's full mufasa face full appearing mufasa. in the clouds as a final shot of his his face in the clouds and it's an over the shoulder shot and i'm like oh girl girl <laughs> right? 
girl, even in death, you can't avoid a glamour shot. <laughs> I really wanted Thor to come up behind him for them to finally embrace, you know. Ooh, yeah, together at last. In the afterlife, you know. Well, yeah, but that doesn't happen because that's the end of yeah. Teenagers in Outer Space. Except, John, I played yeah. your game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pitch you for a sequel. Oh, go for it. Go to for Teenagers it. from Outer Space 2. Colon. Too sparky. Sorry we shot you. <laughs> Thor the alien. Picture it. <laughs> We're back on Claire. It's many, many years later. And what we've got is basically Teenagers from Outer Space meets Tu Wong Fu. No, yeah, meets Tu Wong Fu. Uh-huh. It's vicious. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Go on. Yeah, Thor and Derek. Somehow Derek has survived. It was really all the ruse to get away from Betty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, listen, I, can, I can't. So I can't. That he had to fake his own death because otherwise he was going to stalk him into space. Exactly. We've all done yeah. it. We've all done it. Well, because it's the '50s. Even he knows. He's like, I can't tell this girl I'm gay because next thing I know, I'll be on the what's his name the list. I can't think of his name. What was his name? Red scare guy. McCarthy. McCarthy. I wind up in a McCarthy hearing. And, be cute, and it would be bad. And everybody would know, and I'll never get a job that I didn't have anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but they've worked out their problems. Now they live in some fabulous townhouse, and they're just hateful queens to each other. <laughs> and it's pretty much the plot. But the thing is, Betty has found her way there as well. Because, you know, it's the 60s. Space travel has been invented. She's there. So she's kind of their um, Francis de la Tour character. She's their violent. <laughs> <laughs> She's always showing up unannounced to be being annoying, like, oh, hi. And, you know, there's also this, this young, young Claire resident, you know, a very attractive one who's, who's not, you know, what's the word? What's the 50s word for gay? Temperamental. He's not, uh, not temperamental. That's not, yeah, is that what it was? Temperamentals. Jeez, I don't know. I should know that. Yeah, the temperament. Well, let's see. He's not a member of the Mattachine Society. Sure. But he wants to be accepted by those. They decide the best way to get him excited is to get him into the intergalactic drag show competition. <laughs> so they have to have a, like a long, long cross-galaxy journey. <laughs> Bitching along the way. So the four of them go on a – not a road trip. What, I don't know, what would you call it? A space trip? Space journey? Sure. Indeterminate sure. length? Intergalactic sure. road trip, sure. Yeah, yeah. But that's pretty much that's – this is like the – that's the bare skeletal – I think it works. Can we can we crowbar in a RuPaul kind of cameo at some point? Oh, absolutely. Space RuPaul? Ru, yeah. Ru, Ru, what do we got? What do we they got? assembled Space? the bones of the dog as like a centerpiece? Like it has to be the kind of thing where the, where it's, it's like a sitcom, right? So the, the camera's just going to be on a track going back and forth. And whenever they deliver a deadpan line out to the audience... Like, I want to see an insert shot of You the, got the Sparky for the reaction shot. You got the Sparky can't get. for the reaction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, okay, I'm going to pitch my sequel very quickly. My sequel is basically the movie All, All Dogs Go to Heaven, but it's Sparky. Oh. So after he's oh. shot, he's very just sp- watching. Very Sparky-centric sequels. Yes, please yeah. continue. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's all I've got. He's just watching the event. Oh, and he's just like, watching it. He's getting and he's yeah. like, I was supposed to be a dog. I was supposed to do dog things. Yeah. And Sheila Easton's in it for some reason. It's just all very weird. <laughs> this is really weird because this is the second time in two recordings. 
I, I just blanked. I'm sorry. I'm going to get it. It's the second time Sheena Easton has come up <laughs> in, in, in like four hours. <laughs> and not for me. And something else you said was also just repeated. But anyway, I can't remember what it was. I'll fix it in post. Yay. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I do want Derek, like future Derek and Thor to be played by Derek Jacoby <laughs> and, Francis, and Betty's Francis, uh, Francis Dillator and Ian. Um, why did you blank on his name? Ian McKellen. Ian, Ian McKellen. I want that whole yeah. cast. But just, I want them all just that would be fantastic. But with like antennas and jumpsuits and all space. <laughs> I think they do it. I genuinely think they do. It's pretty fun. much the exact same show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where they just reminisce about when they were mean to each other 50 years ago, but because it's 50 years old, now it's funny. Uh-huh, and they're still mean to each other, but now it's adorable because you're old and non-sexual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's all just like, well, I'm sorry. You're always so mean to me. I mean, I mean, I, will, I don't want to invite myself along, but after all, remember that time you shot my dog? Remember that time you shot my dog? Well, it was so that. funny and so adorable, <laughs> and you've been in such relationships for so long, and to think it all began the time that you murdered my dog. <laughs> Cut to Sparky. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. That's what it was. That's what it was. I also just covered this movie, a TV movie called Don't Go to Sleep with Valerie Harper. This movie, the boy from Poltergeist is in it. And the he's boy? got a pet. It. Hmm? The boy from Poltergeist? There's a boy yeah. in Poltergeist? It's been a minute since I've seen it. It's Pedro Rock or nothing for me. So. The middle brother. The middle brother oh, okay. who gets, oh, who gets okay. eaten by the tree. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay. The, yeah. He's in this. And he's got a pet iguana. Sure. And they are constantly cutting to shots of the iguana at the weirdest time. <laughs> and so after a while, I was giving the iguana a character voice. <laughs> and who was oh. voicing the iguana? I oh, know. He just had a voice like this. Because he, he's he, Ruth Gordon is in it. He kills Ruth Gordon. Oh, my God. Another connection to this movie. Okay. The girl who so is Harvey Firestein voicing the iguana. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. A little, yeah, yeah. A little, uh, the girl who played Betty, one of her only other credits, she did a biography movie on the young Ruth Gordon. No. Yeah, she played Ruth Gordon. That's amazing. Just all these connections that I didn't even know. It's a joy. It was all perfectly planned out, meticulously. I laid all this out. I'm. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay sorry. Wait. She played a young Ruth Gordon. Surely Ruth Gordon and her in, are about the same age in real life. Because this, this is like movie, 1959. Yeah. Uh huh. And this movie How came out. Ruth Gordon? 1959. I don't know. I don't think it's, it's such a thing as a young Ruth Gordon, to be perfectly honest. No, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Because in 1969, when she did. Rosemary's Baby. Oh, I suppose, pretty well yeah. advanced as well. That's true. When when did when did um, Harold and Maud come out? Seventies. So, oh, okay, fine. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Just the art of that movie. seventies. Mm. Yeah, but the thing I did want to talk about was that as much fun as we've had with this oh. movie and poking fun at it, it actually is all very tragic. All because, right, as I said. Down. I have to keep looking up his name because I can't want to. Like we've got David Love, and for some reason I want to call the other guy Manny Love, and that's not right. It's Tom Grave, the director. Man Love, you're you're saying the movie is about Man Love? I'm it, sorry. You know, I mean, that I'm seems that seems to be a radical interpretation of the text. I don't know what movie <laughs> you watched. I saw a budding romance between two lovely young people. But but I'm talking about I'm talking about. Oh yes, exactly. Thank you, John. <laughs> But the director, Tom Grave, as I said, was as out as you could be in 1959. And that he put his long-term boyfriend in this movie, uh, David Love. And his real name I don't have in front of me, unfortunately. But the thing is, shortly after the movie released, 
David Love disappeared and has never been found. Completely? Completely gone. Yikes. And Tom Grafe. Did he have a sense of his own planet? What? Did he have a sense of his own planet? No, he got shot by the gun that kills all living matter, but in real life, it gets rid of your bones too. Oh. No, see, behave now, behave now. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm just saying, like, because this is a different time. I'm going, that's a weird thing to happen. And, you know, people didn't report gay crimes and things like that. So, I mean, something bad happened, I yeah. would say, because he just vanished without a trace. And there wasn't much of an investigation. Yeah. And things like that. And Tom Grafe was never the same. He had a nervous breakdown between that and the movie flopping really hard and him getting sued by all the people he didn't pay. He had a breakdown. And by 1962 or something, he had become a street preacher and tried to change his name to Jesus Christ Jr. Or the second. Superstar. Yeah. Superstar is not until the 70s. And he, he just kept getting odder and odder. He started getting involved in all these things one thing he was famous for was like he was a huge this was interesting he was huge proponent of bisexuality and how it could save the world hey i am totally pro bi supremacy there are there are he had many many recorded lectures that still are available that's saying like you can save the world if people are more embracing of their bisexuality so very well one of those people who thought that literally everyone is bisexual I don't know. I haven't listened to them, but I'm just saying, like, you've got to understand this is 1960s, early 1960s. You can't talk like that. No, 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 of course. And so he's just considered crazy. He gets arrested by the Quakers. Like, the Quakers had him arrested, but it's a whole weird story. (laughs) They have that power. Yeah, so if you, because, you know, they're nonviolent people. If you've pissed off the Quakers, something is wrong. Yeah, something is wrong. And he eventually wound up committing suicide. Oh, poor man. And it's kind of like, whole thing, like, yeah, kids, things are much better now than they were but this was not that long ago yeah where you know being gay and and especially in hollywood could destroy you like eventually at some point people just like you are never working again which is so absurd because it's hollywood like there's so much gay going on there yeah Mm. i know i know but you can't admit it because it's bad for box office because the because real america can't handle that because real america won't buy the tickets if they know in their heart of hearts that's so gross yeah so that's a really sad bit of news the thing is i got all this information this there's really nothing out there on this either i literally just stumbled upon it and it was one source uh from a, a blog called agony booth which is sounds like a fun place yeah yeah i think i've seen that episode of futurama and uh the author's uh, the author's name is ron garman and i'm just giving you credit for all this but the thing is i believe him because he has extensive interviews with almost everybody that was involved with this man and this movie this really does sound like an episode like a series of you must remember this that i would be eating it with a spoon thank you isn't that a great show oh i love it so much I love that she's, it's so well-researched, but so entertaining because she delivers everything with just, just this tiny little bit of snark mm. to keep it from getting dry. Well, she does the 50s sex voice on that podcast. She, she is does. doing the, like, that very breathy kind of like, yeah. <laughs> you mean, you mean Alice? Yes. <laughs> it is now the official Alice. Do you, have you ever seen, listened to that show, Maya? No, I've only heard good things. I oh, just, it's good. 
I am mo- such a cue. I'm, I'm behind. I know. I know. I know. There's not enough hours in the day. Like I, mm-hmm. I got about three quarters of the way through the Manson one that you did. You must remember Manson. I had yeah. to stop because A, it was freaking me out. It's so depressing that I have oh, to be yeah. in the right mood to listen to it. But the things you find out, I'm like, the, that, the fact that Doris Day and Angela Lansbury had direct <laughs> ties to Charlie Manson is shocking. Insane, yeah. That's, that's insane. Hmm. But you you go and you do a little Googling, you're like, yep, that's actually 100% true, but you never hear about this stuff. And her whole thing on Joan Crawford was delicious, but we're not talking about them. Okay, Maya, John, I think we have done Teenagers from Outer Space. I think we have. Yeah. Okay, Maya, we're going to start with you. Where can people find out more about you? Oh, my goodness. If they want to go to my website, mayamurphy.actor. That's super professional, I know. Yeah, that's probably the best. I do have a fan page on Facebook. I update once in a while, but I strongly Uh, recommend the website. And if you have any gigs coming up since it's going to be later, you know, I don't know when this is going to air. Please keep me informed so I can add it on later. Absolutely. I'll, I'll I do want to plug whatever you're doing. Just, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, definitely go watch the first few episodes of uh, 21st Century Demon Hunter. They're on Amazon Prime. Thank and you. John, where can people find Beyond the Box Set? Okay, so yeah, Beyond the Box Set is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, Google podcasts whatever, whatever google are using these days to google play i think i think google play yeah sure apparently no, uh, google play is the bad one now it's google Podcast. there's a new one yeah, yeah we're on all of them. yeah we're on all the podcasting places and if you look for us and we're not there then let us know and we will get on there or, uh, or, or that place sucks yeah exactly well yeah you should leave that place but <laughs> nevertheless like, no don't use that player that one is lame yeah we're all gonna uh, talk about you Indeed. Uh, our website is beyondtheboxset.com. Um, we have new episodes out every um, Friday morning. Uh, we're about to enter our Halloween season for October, which is going to be the season of the wolf. We're going to do four werewolf movies. It's equals to four werewolf movies. That should be pretty cool. And uh, yeah, and we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash beyondtheboxset. So yeah, Fan- check us out. Fantastic. Thank you Thank both you. so much for joining me. Thank you for being fabulous guests. Thank you for taking part in that countdown to Halloween Podathon. And thank you for doing your part to help the kids at New Alternatives, making the world a little less creepy for them. Aww. Thank you for having me. And also, yes. Bart, I think some of Bart's noises got done oh, here. Cats are always welcome here. Oh my gosh, wait a minute. There's one more thing before we go. I can't believe I almost forgot this. It's the most important thing of all. What is it? Happy Halloween. You can say goodbye now. Happy Halloween. Goodbye. And we're out. You guys were so great up until the last second. <laughs> <laughs> we really blew it. We, yeah, I we, didn't know what the we, cue was. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, God. The landing. Uh, I'm fired again. Okay. <laughs> we were both fired so hard. So that, my beautiful, beautiful Screamers, is going to wrap things up for episode 236. Thank you to John from Beyond the Box Set. Please go check out his show over there. And Maya Murphy, thank you as well. And Maya wanted me to tell you that since we recorded this, you can now catch her the weekend of November 9th. Performing in Stephen Sondheim's Merrily We Roll Along at the Brooklyn Theater Club. That's the musical that goes backwards. What? What does that mean? I don't know. You'll have to come and find out. Oh, Maya, I'm definitely not missing this one because, man, 
in the midst of all of this, while I was still recording and stuff, and you know, I was lining up all these guests, Maya was in a cabaret that was all based on Firefly. Joss Whedon's Firefly, and I'm really mad that I missed that. I want to see her as a brown shirt, but I didn't. So instead, I get to see her go backwards with Stephen Sondheim, and that will be awesome. Before we leave completely the world of teenagers from outer space, I just wanted to point out that synchronicity thing again, because like I said, I wasn't aware of the tragic history behind the movie, and I was fascinated and horrified to find it, but... Just yesterday, someone alerted me to like, someone's actually trying to make a biography of this director and about the tragedy behind Teenagers from Outer Space. So let's just say we're on the cutting edge here today, people. You heard it here first on Scream Queen. So when that movie is sweeping the Oscars in a couple of years, you can be like, oh, I heard about that with Maya and John and Patrick on the Scream Queen's Hall podcast ages ago. I am so much cooler than you. And really, you are so much cooler than everybody else out there because you listen to the show. End of story. So this has been a fun show, but don't forget that this is not just for fun. We're actually looking to do with some greater good stuff here. And you can help by going to HTTP colon slash slash fundraise dot newalternativesnyc.org slash sq donate $21 if you can to help the kids at new alternatives help some homeless kids get a place to sleep and a good meal and to set their lives going in the right direction that would be awesome we're halfway there we are now officially halfway through the potathon. can we make it to $2,500. I think we can. Today, I think we can, but I can't do it without you. So please donate if you haven't already. If you have donated, please spread the word. Tell people what we're doing here. If you loved a particular episode, pimp that one out. Pimp out the schedule to someone who you think would enjoy the whole thing. You know, I have that orange schedule that was floating around somewhere. I'll put it up on the website. I'm sorry, the website's been a little bit wonky lately because, I, hey, I've got lots of stuff going on, kids. But that's neither here nor there because tomorrow is, well, the schedule says it's a TBA, which means it's just going to be just you and just me again, another solo show. And what I think I'm going to do, I am going to be taking a look at the new movie that's out there. No, not Halloween. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit, spoiler free. But I think we're going to talk about the movie Terrifier, which is available on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet, but I really liked the introduction of the main character, Art the Clown, in that anthology movie, All Hallows' Eve. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do with him in a movie that's all his own. And I've heard good things. Did they lie to me? I don't know. I'll find out. And I still at some point have to tell you about what happened at Camp Crystal Lake. Maybe tomorrow. I don't know yet. We'll see. I got a lot to do. There's a lot of uh, business at this end that I have to take care of because, you know, we're moving into the final stages here. I'm going to be changing up the gameplay a little bit. No, the shows are going to be still the same, but uh, I'm trying to pull in some heavy hitters, you know, some big names to get involved here. And we'll see what we can do. Maybe it'll all fail. Maybe it won't. I don't know, but I can't find out until I try. So I'm still looking 
for your Halloween stories. I see some voicemails are floating in over on the voicemail line. I haven't listened to any of them yet because I don't. I don't listen until I play them. So I'm eager to find out what's going on over there. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not having a Halloween, kids. This is my Halloween. When Halloween finally arrives, I'm going to be exhausted. When this effort that I have been working on since August. Yeah, I've been putting this together since August, guys. So I am going to be super tired. What a weight off my shoulders finally to say it's done. And hopefully I'll be able to celebrate and and say not only is it done, but we hit the goal early. I mean, if we can hit $2,500 by Halloween, I will be delighted. Granted, the donation page is going to be open till November 20th because there's still the live event, which I'll be pimping out more when I can think about it more, in at the Rock Bar in New York City on November 19th. They're going to be taking cash donations there. And, you know, that should, that should, that should, that, you know, if we don't make it, maybe that'll put us over the top. But I would much rather breathe, I would breathe a lot easier if we're hitting $2,500 by Halloween. The only way to do that is to go to http colon slash slash fundraiser dot new alternatives nyc dot org slash sq. But, you know, I got derailed here. Anyway, I say I'm not having a Halloween, okay? So I want to hear about yours. And I know it hasn't happened yet. So those, a lot of those will be coming later. But if you have a great Halloween story from Halloween's gone by of, I don't know, a party where, you know, I don't know, something really funky happened or, or some the really awful piece of candy that you got as a kid or like some funky trick-or-treat treat that came to the house and scared the hell out of you, I want to know. I want to know. If you're one of those people who decorate and go crazy, I want to see your pictures. If you've got a great costume from either this year or other years, I want to see them and I want to share them. I will be posting all of them on the Instagram page so I can show the world how cool my listeners are. Because, let's face it, you guys are the greatest. I got the greatest bunch of listeners. End of story. Don't argue with me. You're awesome. And you can show me how awesome you are by getting all that stuff into me. And you can leave your stories by calling me at 917-720-2047 and leaving a voicemail. Or you can write them in at crew at screamqueens.com. And, of course, that's queens with a Z. And writing them in is another great way. Email is a great way to get your pictures in. Pictures of your house. Pictures of your costumes. Pictures of your Pets in costumes, pictures of your kids in pets in costumes. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know what that means. Never mind. That sounded dirty. Forget it. Let's forget I said that. But you can do that through the email or you can find me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens where horror gets gay. I'm on Twitter at Scream Queens. And of course, I'm on Instagram at Scream Queens Podcast. So this has been a fun show. Hey, guys, guess what? Guess what? I made it through a whole episode and I didn't cry. I did a whole show and I didn't cry. Yay! That's great. So what better way to end the show? So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers continue to make the world a creepier place. But this Halloween, let's make it a little less scary for some homeless LGBT teenagers, okay? You know how. I've already told you. Not going to tell you again. And by the way, Kids, never, ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. 
make it to the final reel, baby, cause we're gonna have a party when the massacre's over. We're gonna have a party when the massacre's over. What do you say, Patrick? End the show. Okay, I think I will. Bye, everybody. Whew, I can't believe I said we're halfway there as many times as I did and didn't start singing Bon Jovi. Oh, you better cut before you start singing Bon Jovi, girl. Oh, no, no, not on my show. Oh, hell no, no. All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.